Hi guys, hello and welcome to another episode of the Not The Top 20 podcast. It's crunch time in the EFL season. Generally two games to play for most clubs across the three divisions, some with that all-important game in hand. It doesn't mean, of course, that they have the points. Always remember that. I'm Ali Maxwell and I've got George Ellick alongside me. And George, we're going to start with a touch of housekeeping Although that might be downplaying it's it slightly. It's more exciting than housekeeping. It's a bit more exciting than housekeeping. And I sort of teased it on the last podcast, but um, we've got some something for the, uh, for the listeners to put on their Sky Planner. Yeah, we're going to be studio guests with David Prutton on EFL Matters on Thursday from 7 till 7.30. Our first uh, TV appearance. Yeah, as you may be able to hear. Um, celebrating the Oxford goal on Saturday means that my voice isn't quite at its best. So I need, I've, got, I've got three days to, uh, to get it back before Thursday. So not, not much chatting for me. Um, but yeah, incredibly exciting. And, and we're very chuffed that the guys at Sky have uh, let us come on. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's just under two years since we did our first podcast. So for us to be appearing on EFL Matters, uh, I mean, I was on BBC Game Show Pointless uh, when I was a university student, but otherwise this is very much my first TV appearance in my, in my current guise, I suppose, as part of this career, if you can call it that. And, and as anyone who follows George on Twitter knows, he can't stop appearing on the television um, <laughs> through, his, uh, through his own work. So um, it, it's really exciting. We hope you guys might tune in and watch us. It's live on Thursday from 7 till 7.30, and it'll be on Sky Sports Football, I think. Yeah, and just an apology as well to uh, to Ash, who's a fan of ours. Who I don't think that I don't think that news will go down too well with him. But, yeah. but sorry, Ash. Uh, anyway, um, please do watch. Please do let us know what your thoughts are, and um, otherwise we will crack on here and just touch on a few things quickly that happened on the weekend before taking on your questions that you sent in yesterday. Thank you very much for those guys. Uh, Wolves were confirmed as champions, and they're not going to beat the points record, George, but. Everyone has sort of come round to the fact that they are one of the best teams, if not the best team we've seen in the Championship over the last decade. Uh, we've been involved in some discussions either on this podcast or in Talk Sport or in person about how they might do in the Premier League. But what, what do you expect to see from them this summer in terms of transfer dealings? I know there's a rumour about Ruben Neves going to Liverpool, for example. I think it's very hard to make predictions on next season without knowing who they're going to sign and who they're going to keep. But having said that, given their ambitions, it'd be a huge, huge surprise if they don't strengthen, if the players who are currently their star players don't become almost squad players and there'll be people bought on top of them. Uh, for that reason, I think they'll be absolutely fine next year. But uh, I think as of right now, um, Wolves are very much not an EFL team in any guise. And, and I can't imagine we'll be talking about them when we're still doing the podcast in 10 years. Outside of the, the eye-catching loanees, the, the Portuguese uh, in particular, players like Connor Cody, um, Matt Doherty, uh, John Ruddy, uh, are you suggesting that this might spell not necessarily the end for them in a Wolves kit, but uh, you're not expecting there to be any sentiment, I suppose, in terms of who will be playing in the in the old black and gold next uh, next season in the Premier League. Definitely not. And I think we saw that already um, in some of their recruitment that they've done. But I mean, these are guys at the same time, whilst we talk a lot about your Costas and your Neveses um, and your Cavalieros, <laughs> people like Ruddy... Um, have been crucial. I mean, obviously Connor Cody is another one who's been so important. And um, Bennett as well. You know, these are guys who've been crucial to, to this run. And so at the same time, I'm sure that they're, 
not going to see this promotion as, as the end of their um, Molyneux careers. It's just going to be up to them to prove that they're still up to it next season. There's predictions to be made still about Cardiff and Fulham. I feel like we've been making them for the last few weeks and, and we've sort of swung either way here. But currently, Ben Mayhew's championship probabilities, uh, based on his expected goals model for the championship, has essentially Cardiff around 68-69% uh, chance of going up automatically and Fulham with 32-ish I suppose that's based on, on Derby's or Cardiff's rather game against Derby tomorrow night, which is the all important game in hand. Uh, they then both have very winnable fixtures to lead them in Cardiff away at Hull when Fulham will be home to Sunderland. That's right on Friday night. And then on final day, Fulham away to Birmingham and Cardiff at home to Reading. So, George, do you agree Cardiff in the driving seat? Do you think they might slip up tomorrow night against Derby? I think they're in the driving seat. I think that um, that last game against Reading is three points sorted. So it's going to be either at Hull. And that's no, that's not an easy game. This Hull team have not lost many recently. They, they score pretty freely. Um, they'll have the shackles of a relegation fight uh, totally off now, um, you have to say. So that could be tough. And... You know, Cardiff are playing Derby at a fantastic time. This Derby team are really, really struggling now, but they've got something huge to play for. So, I mean, I've, I've backed Cardiff tomorrow night, um, mm. I think about around about the 7 or 4 mark, because um, I think they're a bet. But at the same time, the fact that, you know, that they are a 7 or 4 shot shows that it's not going to be an easy game. Um, and Fulham, on the, on the other hand, you know, I agree. Mike Holden tweeted it after, after the Millwall game. I think they're just going to win every game in, and they're, they're just quite simply better than the teams they're playing well terrifying prospect about for the for the other playoff bound teams that um despite everything fulham could still be waiting for them in the playoffs and i suppose terrifying in a sense as well for fulham fans because you know uh, to a lesser extent but let's not forget that that this run was more or less replicated last season as well and perhaps the players were were less eye-catching in terms of now you've got mitrovic and target etc but um, there is always in playoff football the chance that with teams having a bit more time to prepare for you, uh, your your excellent style of play can be can be sort of combated, and that's what Reading did last season. So it'd be very very nervy for Fulham heading into the playoffs. Although they will be, of course, heavy favourites should they do so. Sunderland have suffered back to back relegations down to League One from the Premier League. Uh, of course, over the course of the season, we've touched on their plight, the, the, the potential reasons for it, those who should take the blame for it. Uh, but one of the big issues in recent weeks has been taking the lead in, in four or five games and ending up with no wins to talk of uh, for any of them. They lost to Burton on the weekend and Burton now with quite a good chance to stay up with a home game against Bolton on the weekend. I think, I think Burton-Bolton could be considered the game of the, de uh, the, game of the day. I thought you were going to say game of the decade. <laughs> game of the decade for those, arguably for those clubs. Um, relegation would be a bit of a shocker for, for Bolton and, and Burton obviously fighting for their lives to make it three seasons in, uh, in the Championship, which would be a hell of an achievement. But Gab Sutton tweeted us to say there's two prices already out on the League One promotion for next season. Um, and if we had to take a stab in the dark on Sunderland at two to one or Accrington at seven to one, where would you be going? What, what do you expect, leaning towards Sunderland here, what do you expect to see from them in League One? I mean, again, it's so hard to say um, without knowing what, what personnel is going to be. You have to assume that Chris Coleman is, is going to stay there. Um, although, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing necessarily at the moment. Yeah, it's hard to... Um, yeah. 
between those two, I think you have to probably side with Sunderland at twos. Mm. As, as good as Accrington have been, what they've already done has been a huge overachievement. And whilst I do expect them to go well again, and Gab knows that, you know, I'm normally pretty sweet on teams who are on the back of a promotion. Uh, even so, if they're going to be fighting against the likes of Sunderland uh, next season, and you know, even so many clubs, you, you, whether it's Bradford or the, all the teams who who in the playoffs this season who are going to miss out, you know, Portsmouth, these are big clubs who realistically they're going to struggle to compete with. With Sunderland, we don't know what they're going to be, but no matter who their owner is, it, it could be bought by someone who's going to invest the money, but they're, you know, they're, they they uh, ticket receipts and the caliber of player they've got should still see them go fairly well. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't really want to be backing either. Well, I think that it, what I was going to say sort of touches on, on, on both parts of your answer there. One, and this is asked by Freddie, uh, how we reckon Accrington will do in League One and will their momentum possibly take them into the top half or will they struggle as an even smaller fish in a big pond? But looking at the potential League One teams for next season I think the League One pond is almost getting smaller of course Sunderland will be added but whether it's Burton Bolton and or Barnsley who who are relegated um, and Wigan and Blackburn with the the riches or relative riches that they had at League One level I don't think there's going to be the same equivalent and we we clearly don't know what's going to be happening behind the scenes at Sunderland whether they'll be able to to put aside everything that's happening behind the scenes and put together any sort of recruitment drive for the summer so I I don't think it is necessarily going to be a a big pond in League One but as you say Accrington are are surely going to be uh, you know I I, I don't think momentum put it that way will be enough to take them into the top 10 and, and they'll have to be again incredibly savvy and of course keep hold of some of their great players, which is, is not always easy as well when you've got a low budget. Uh, Wigan have been promoted from League One and Ollie Walker writes to us, how do we think Blackburn and Wigan will fare in the championship next season? Blackburn, of course, expected to be promoted uh, next time they play tomorrow evening. So how, how do you reckon, George, Blackburn and Wigan, how do they compare to think- Sheffield United, for example, of last season? Quite well. I think favourably. I think they both come into um, next season in a far better uh, guise of themselves after a season in League One. I think they're both, you know, this is something you and I have discussed a lot. I think they're both teams who have benefited from falling out of the league and have been able to um, galvanise themselves as a club. It's amazing what winning games of football can do to a club. And I think if you asked most Blackburn fans about their favourite season in the last decade or so, I'm pretty sure that they would put this one right up there. Mm. Um, and for that reason, you've got to say that the momentum is, is back in an upward trajectory. They've got in managers in Tony Mowbray and, and Paul Cook who deserve their chance to manage these clubs in the championship and in certain players who they've either kept or recruited since they've been down. You have to say that they, they leave League One in a much better shape than when they came in. Interesting. I, 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 sort, of, um, I sort of agree. I'm... We've always slightly wondered uh, whether Paul Cook's stubbornness when it comes to, to the style of play might might come back to bite him. And, and, and it didn't do so in his move up from League Two to League One. But generally, the style and the shape and the formation is, is uh, pretty similar, a pretty 
pretty standard 4-2-3-1. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, of course. But, you know, in Chris Wilder, talking about Sheffield United, we've seen someone who has uh, has started to to be a bit more versatile with his tactics and, and that's really benefited Sheffield United. So it'd be interesting to see how Wigan approach the Championship next season. Of course, that means they've now been promoted twice and relegated twice in their last four seasons. So um, <laughs> it's a pretty remarkable record. Uh, Aston Villa secured their playoff spot in the Championship and Mark asked us this question with his sort of Shrewsbury Town hat on. But I think it applies to, well, it certainly applies to Aston Villa as well as Rotherham too. And I'm interested to know your thoughts here because it was a bit of a controversial topic around this time last season. And it's to do with how do you approach your your remaining meaningless, in inverted commas, games here? Do, do you rest key players for the playoffs? Do you experiment with with different ways, different systems? Or do you do you keep trying to win every game with your key players, keep some momentum going, keep some sort of... Uh, you know, keep some good form going into the playoffs. You might remember that Huddersfield were fined last season for making 10 changes in, in a game, I think the penultimate game in the season, because they affected the integrity of the league. So just putting aside the rules, if you're a manager, how, how, would, how do you fancy approaching but, it? I mean, the weird thing about this, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring the rules back onto the table quickly, <laughs> is just that it's only the successful teams who get called up on this. So we played Wigan... Uh, in midweek and we left our acting captain and John Massino our current best player James Henry at home to rest them mm. for the game against Doncaster and obviously because we're battling relegation no one's ever going to turn around to Carl Robinson and say why aren't you playing a full strength team mm. but at the same time that probably because Shrewsbury's form has kind of fallen apart that hasn't it's not going to affect anything but in terms of integrity there's, there's no difference so the whole thing and no one would ever you know Robinson wouldn't have had any fear at all about making six or seven changes that we made would make a difference so in that respect I think it's so obvious you, that club, clubs managers should just be allowed to use their squad as they see fit would you be wrapping Jack Grealish up in cotton wool then for the last two games probably not because I think that he's enjoying a run of form that's really, really important to him something he's lacked and missed out on in, in recent times. So um, I think when you've got momentum on your side, personally, I'd keep playing that team. But then we saw last year that Huddersfield uh, making those changes certainly worked for them. So mm. it's, it's, it's a tough one. I mean, Villa, Villa are a team who, who don't have any issues with squad size. So I think they should be allowed to, to rotate. Yeah, certainly. I think with Shrewsbury, I mean, Mark mentioned experimenting with alternative systems. I wouldn't mind seeing Shrewsbury maybe experiment with some alternative systems. It, it strikes me that uh, among problems with injuries, uh, the long season, many extra games and midweek games, of course, all affecting them in recent weeks. Uh, I do watch them and, and feel like their system, which has got them so far, so 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 doing so well this season, uh, could benefit with, uh, with a bit more of a plan B, maybe even a plan C as they head into the playoffs, in which, of course, you, you know, taking your opponent by surprise could be one of the best things you could possibly do. Um, Freddie asked us, George, which teams that will be relegated from each division do we think will be best equipped to bounce straight back to the league they're relegated from? So the contenders here, um, obviously we don't know everyone who's definitively relegated, but Sunderland definitely, uh, perhaps Burton or Barnsley, Bolton. Um, Berry, MK Dons, Northampton, you'd say almost certainly, uh, with Rochdale in the mix, Oldham or Walsall. And in League Two, I mean, the National League is tough for us to bridge. We don't know it quite as well, but Chesterfield and most probably Barnet will be dropping down. Uh, is there anyone in there? I think you're going to say Rochdale. Is there anyone else in there who, if they went down, you'd be like, 
you know, keen to lump on them for, for an immediate return? Someone who you think it might do them a bit of good, a la Wigan and Blackburn? Um, maybe, but then you kind of put me off my stride with the second question because I think that both Bolton and Barnsley could make good fists of League One next year, mm. um, mainly because with, with Bolton, I know they've lost um, a talisman, but it's still basically a very similar squad with the same manager as, as they went up last season, even yeah. though maybe they shouldn't have done, but I don't think it's going to fall apart there unless there are financial issues. And Barnsley, again, they're very, very bright people running that football club. And, and I still think in the long term, there's going to be progress. And that means they have to be able to, you know, do well in League One if they do go down. Uh, Rochdale, as you mentioned, uh, are an interesting one. I think that Berry are also an interesting one if they can get the right mm. man in because there's still enough talent in that squad. It, it to strikes do me that a lot depends on the manager, right? It, definitely. I mean, und- undoubtedly. Um, and I mean, look, look with Paul Cook and Tony Mowbray, yeah. great, great examples this season. Exactly. That's that's the the sort of profile that you're probably looking for. I mean, there, there's many ways to skin a cat, but it's hard to imagine Barnsley going down with. Jose Moraes in charge and, and feeling massively confident, rather the fans feeling massively confident about yeah. him being able to, to to launch an assault on League One in the way that Sheffield United, Wigan and Blackburn have done over the last few years. Um, let me just add the Premier League teams into the mixture, uh, almost certain to be West Brom, Stoke and Southampton. Uh, real wildcard Saints coming down and if they do, of course, and, and something that will really get our teeth into when it's confirmed but uh, in terms of looking at the landscape of the championship next season what are you thinking about about those three teams well I think with Southampton it's going to be very very similar to well, I was going to say to the Villa situation where you, you've got to just work out how they're going to approach it um, they in their progress from League One up to the Premier to the Premier League they were very very smart in who they signed they used their academy very well um, and it, after a period of, of turbulence it was pretty you know assuring in the way they did it and, and they looked like they were going to be well set to be uh, eighth or ninth best team in the league after that now you have to assume it won't be Hughes in charge if they go mm. down they gave him a short term contract to try and keep them up I don't think either party are going to want to stick around if not mm. so again it comes down to, to the decisions they're going to make afterwards with Stoke it's, it's a team that now looks to me fairly um like a your, your typical relegated Premier League team, mm-hmm. and for that reason, they'll probably finish in the top ten. They're not going to be a basket case club, but at the same time, mm. you can there are clubs up at the top of the Premier uh, of the Championship at the moment, like Villa, like Borough, who may not go up this season, but I think it would be better set next term to, to do it. Um, and then finally, West Brom. I mean, you wouldn't be backing them to go up next season, would you? I don't think so. So I, I don't think it's necessarily strong. I mean, Saints quite clearly and obviously should be able to absolutely. Uh, steamroll everyone but it, it's just entirely dependent on, on who the manager is and which players they can keep remarkable that, that we're even talking about that really uh, we got asked again by Mark which young Premier League players have stood out to us uh, as in loanees in the EFL of course there's quite a few across the three divisions um, I, I looked at League 2 there's obviously that that's the the, the smallest pool of uh, Premier League uh, loanees you've got Sheaf and Amos at Stevenage who have both Looked quite good in glimpses, but I think that the, the number one has to be Jimmy Dunn, who's on loan from Burnley at Accrington. Has been a, a huge part, joined in January, and essentially since then, not saying it's just up to him, but since then they've barely lost a game, and uh, he's clearly very highly rated. In League One, you've obviously got Adam Armstrong on loan from Newcastle. I always feel like it's so, uh, it's so unlikely for me that he'll ever be a... a 
a consistent Premier League player. I don't, almost don't consider him a Premier League player on loan. But, you know, any of your Oxford boys, there's a couple on loan from Man City. Any of them, you've got any high hopes for either of them? I know one of them's actually been almost uh, upsetting the fan base a bit. Well, I think they're both are, are no longer really part of the... I'd, I'd be surprised if either of them have much of a future mm. in, in professional football. <laughs> Jesus. So, um, <laughs> no, not, not those two. So that's Buckley Ricketts and Smith-Brown. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jack Payne, obviously, for the first half of the season was... You know, should be up. I don't think he's in. The, he's not. We're not allowed to vote for him, but he would be our player of the season. So I, for that reason, I guess you have to have him there. Um, he was a difference between a club being the tenth best club in in the division to being one of the worst. So, mm. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I think that uh, yeah, looking at the championship is target Mitrovic, um, the two big ones. McBurney, I think who who could well win the um, the Barnsley Player of the Season award, despite the fact that he's only been there for six months yeah. and, and they're probably going to go down. Uh, and Ola Reiner as well. It'll be really interesting to see where he goes next season. You'd think he'd probably get loaned out to another uh, championship club, but maybe towards the top end. Yeah, well, that's um, that's probably what they were hoping was going to happen at Hull this season. It's so hard to judge, um, uh, you know, a young fullback when they're part of a team that is leaking so many goals. I mean, it it flashes a warning sign to me, but I know that there are, there'll be plenty of people who are sort of absolving Ainer of of much of the blame for being part of what has been a pretty miserable Hull defence. Of course, there, there have been a couple of other Chelsea loanees at Hull in, in Michael Hector and Fikayo Tomori as well at the back there. So it's a, it's a group effort, of course. I think um, in, in the Championship, Harry Wilson, who's, who's also on loan at Hull from Liverpool, he has shown himself to be a, a very classy, cultured player. Uh, again, only in half a season. I think that's something that I, I sort of noticed looking at this. I mean, when you look at um, Jeremy Boga has shown actually not nearly as much as you'd hope for and, and only in glimpses. Kieran Dowell was the big name in the first half of the season, but it's really gone quite quiet second half of the season. And Josh Onomer as well, highly rated on loan from Spurs at, at Villa and in recent weeks and months has, has really drifted away from, from the starting eleven and, and struggled, I think, to, to maintain a a really high performance level throughout uh, what is a very long season. And that's often the, the, the case with young players. And, and it seems to me that, you know, aside from players like Angus Gunn, I suppose, and Reed at Norwich, but they're not exactly, they're not exactly players of the season in the Championship. It, it's, it's hard for a, lonely, uh, a young lone player to come and, and make a stamp on the league over the course of a whole season. Um, ben Travers asked a, a, a funny one here. Most inevitable summer transfer, he's asking. And, and his suggestion is Oz Toomer to Brentford, um, which is, is uh, quite funny. I feel like Walsall fans might not agree with this. I think the, the suggestion is certainly that Oz Toomer might have checked out a little bit uh, in, in recent weeks and months and I think they're a bit disappointed in his drop-off. Um, some that I'm going to throw at you, um, John Nolan to Brentford <laughs> to replace Woods who might be heading off to the Premier League. Uh, Danny Hilton to a League 2 contender because we know he hates making the step up into League 1. <laughs> nice. It's true though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was the first thing I thought when I saw Luton get promoted. Yeah, yeah, nice. I was like, him and Collins, just they do their business in League <laughs> 2. That's what they do. Um, I think Collins will make the step up. I really wouldn't be surprised if, we've, if we're seeing Hilton at Mansfield next season or, or something like that um, Ledson to Preston yeah I think that's fair enough Chris Maguire to Oxford sadly I think that's not fair enough after, well what's he going to do after what well he'll go somewhere he's, he's basically banished from Bury as far as I can tell can you I, I still think he'll ideally want to go to Scotland but we'll see Moisa Ipswich Barnsley Preston Oxford Oxford <laughs> not sure you got the money I'm afraid uh, Jermaine Beckford to Sunderland was one that tickled me yeah. um, Sammy Smoddix to Oxford that was one of my that was one of my guesses. You need a number 10. 
he's probably quite bored at Colchester. I reckon they could cash in. If you, if you, if You'd I mean, have a couple of hundred k from the Ledson sale. It's a bit silly. We've said Oxford most of these, but if you want, it'll be someone like McGuinness to Oxford. I'd have thought. A, 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 he's he's already said that he wants to bring in players from Charlton. So we'll see. Fair play. Uh, please get in touch with us. It's a, it's fun to look at these. We didn't have too much time because it's it's the type of thing that you really need to, to you need to really comb through the leagues to find the the right profile of player and, and match them to the club. But tweet us at NTT Twenty Pod. Send us your most inevitable summer transfers. It'd be quite funny looking back uh, towards the end of the window if any of these come true or any of the ones that you send in. Um, you didn't like this one as much, Trayton Miller. He does acknowledge that it's difficult to answer on what is a sound-based medium. Uh, he wants to know which kits we like from the EFL this season. You like the Oxford kit, is what you said to me on, before uh, we went on air. Don't make me sound like an idiot. No, I just, <laughs> I, do, I just never really get the whole thing with like kits and, and material things. But that, that's just me. That's well, sorry, I do. Sorry, sorry Trayton. I really like Hummel and they make the Charlton kit so I'm going to go with Charlton I like AFC Wimbledon's kit uh, because I like the blue and yellow colour scheme and it's sponsored by Football Manager and I like the QPR kit I just I just think it looks smart I like it so that that's my answers there thanks Trayton for your question Keep I, like them. The, I like the Grimsby kit <laughs> No, you don't. I do. <laughs> you just like uh, what the pink one or the well, no, uh, just the fact that they're you know they're fish and they're sponsored by fish. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> who is the team you've most enjoyed watching this season, uh, and who has been the least enjoyable and the most frustrating to watch? A couple of things to unpack there. I think can my mind two be the same? Well, uh, is it is it going to be Brentford? Because yeah. they for me are <laughs> yeah, yeah. very enjoyable, but also very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say as well. For reasons that we've touched on many a time, but you know, uh, do you enjoy watching the top? teams your Wolves is your Cardiff's your Fulham's yeah your Fulham's you have to I, th- I think Wolves is is almost watching Wolves is it's almost a disappointment because you can understand why they're so good and you can understand why they're so hard to beat but it's not quite as as, as beautiful as mm. maybe as, as some of the Fulham stuff they play so sure but as not to be disappointed in them at all. Yeah, shout out to, to Bristol City in that in that Carabao Cup run who were sensational um, and I like watching Shrewsbury as well yeah yeah why? Press. Press. Just the, the, the Hearst press. Is that what I was going to say? Out of the teams you've seen in League One this season following Yellows, have they been the, the most impressive for you? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, what, would, what would Doncaster like at the weekend? Obviously not much to play for. Just one-man team. I was, I was amazed how much Marcus actually got in the ball. He dropped, very, dropped deep a lot. Um, would basically come deep and, and collect it and, and drive at us. And, and without him, they'd have... I mean, I don't think I'd have remembered any other of their players. As for frustrating teams, Leeds for most of the season, uh, Aston Villa at times, before Grealish was flying, there was that time where they were just sort of scraping by thanks to Albert Adoma, which is, uh, which is not necessarily what you want to be doing long term. And, and Borough, of course, with having signed five or six attacking players for, for, for quite a large transfer fee, and most of them now not at the club, Fletcher, Braithwaite, um, just dead, barely playing, uh, all... all all, all quite frustrating, really. Of course, other than, but uh, not Bertrand, other than Adama Traore, whose brilliance is always worth tuning in. Um, and I like watching Rotherham going forward in League One. I think uh, they score some great goals. Um, turning on to the home straight now, Forza Knots wants to know what we think about his team, Knots, and whether they have a chance at League Two automatics. They won 4 0 on the weekend. Uh, obviously, Wickham lost 4 0 at home to Accrington, and Exeter could only draw at home to Crawley so what it means is with two games to go there's two points between all the teams so he's asking who you reckon gets the last place and who will be left to battle it out in the playoffs there's obviously one spot up for grabs now 
I mean, I think Exeter have massively fluffed their lines with that result on the weekend. Mm. Um, their home form has been so good. And to not make, you know, but that game for Wickham, whilst a 4-0 defeat is a frustration, I think, at this stage in the season against a team like Accrington who are flying so high, you can, you can almost understand it. And that was Exeter's chance to do it. And the fact that they didn't, um, you have to be leaning on with, with, with Wickham to recover and, and, and get third. Absolutely. They've they've all got really interesting, winnable away games this weekend and it's going to make things very, very interesting because invariably one or two of them, maybe even all three, won't get the result but they'll all be expecting to do so. Wickham away at Chesterfield, Notts County away at Grimsby and Exeter away at Stevenage. So all to play for there. Let's say... Given that experimental 361 has around 72% for Wickham, 16% Exeter, 10% Notts County. Let's say that it's Exeter and Notts that head into the playoffs. That would be a League Two playoff quartet of Exeter, Notts County, Lincoln, and Coventry, which I think is quite exciting. I agree. And I think I, I, I think Lincoln, are, I'm looking forward to backing them in the playoffs if nice. they get there, just because their cup record is absolutely insane yeah. under, under Danny Cowley and he I think I mean I'd like to know um, what, what Mike Holden thinks about this but he seems to be like a manager who's very very good at motivating people mm-hmm. um, for this kind of a game and I think if they can get there given what they did in the FA Cup last year given how they performed in the league last year as well to be fair but also in, in the checker trade um I think that there'll be a team to, to, to that people will want to avoid when it gets to the end of the season. Yeah, everything that he's shown in, well, the Cowley brothers, I should say, plural, in their cup exploits over the last 18 months just shows them to be really proactive in-game, making changes all the time and, and, and trying to exploit weaknesses and trying to cover up theirs, which I feel like when you get down to League Two level um, is rare in, in, in a manager. I know that there's often frustration at fans, not just in League Two, in League One, in the Championship as well, that that there are managers who have their system, who send their team out and who can't really react in-game and adapt their, their side. And that can be a, a, an issue in, in, in the playoffs. And, and Lincoln certainly set up well. Of course, Exeter lost in the final last season. I think quite often we, we look at those clubs and, and you know we'll do the maths before our playoff preview. But I think clubs who go, go one better next season, I think it's something that happens quite often. Um, Chesterfield been relegated to the National League. They've sacked Jack Lester. Uh, MK Dons are not mathematically relegated, I don't think, but they have sacked... Dan Machici. They were in the championship, of course, uh, 2015-16, and they'll be in League Two 2018-19 for a team that certainly they would have said were very much on the up when they reached the championship. That is a, a, a massive mess. Yeah, huge mess. Who'd have thunk it with AFC Wimbledon now going to be in the league above MK Dons, which I think a lot of people in the country will be quite happy about, neutral fans. Um, but it's a, it's a huge summer for them again. We've, we've mentioned it, well, I've mentioned it about five times here. That appointment now is huge. Mm. Um, the interesting thing about Jack Lester, Alan Nixon tweeted this afternoon saying that it sounded more like Lester walked after being told that all the staff were going to be let go. And he said, well, if they're going, I'm going to. Um, really tough. I mean, how, laudable, how... but you, know. you can't plan financially for two relegations in a row and I, I just I, I mean I, it, the, the, the the financial realities of it must be just so horrendous for a club especially of Chesterfield size and um, it's really worrying for them I must say really really worrying uh, we'll end on a positive note Luton promoted confirmed uh, arguably should have won the title but Accrington's incredible second half of the season has meant that Luton will 
most likely come second at this stage. A word on Link, uh, Luton, sorry, on Nathan Jones, who I know you like, George, and on their, their chances and what you think we'll see from them next season in League One. I, I have no reason to believe that they won't be very, very strong. Um, if, if you look at how the promoted teams have done this year, uh, the Pompey and Portsmouth flying high and, and Donny totally Pompey safe. Pompey and Plymouth. Sorry, Pompey and Plymouth. <laughs> um, you'd have to... In, I think we all, we all think that they, they are probably better than their points tally as well. So for that reason, if I was a Luton fan, I would have my sights set on, on another attempt, attempt for a promotion campaign. 91 goals they've scored. Absolutely incredible effort. And uh, we might be touching on them on Thursday on EFL Matters. George and I appearing as guests and EFL experts that we are, of course. That'll be put to the test by David Prutton. And, and you can watch that live on Sky Sports. I think probably Sky Sports Football. I'm not sure if they'll make us the main event. Maybe, maybe. Uh, that's on from 7 till 7.30. And I think it gets repeated throughout the next, uh, the sort of following few days. So please tune into that. Um, it's really thanks to all of your support that we are getting the opportunity to do things like this and we would never ever forget that so thank you so much uh, thank you for listening to this podcast I think number 64 uh, we're, we're reaching almost the two year anniversary and we are very grateful to you all so please do make sure that you're subscribed make sure that you're following at NTT20pod on Twitter and until next time thanks for listening <laughs>